Well, a lot can change in a week. As Faye mentioned earlier, last Sunday, a group of us were out on a cattle station a couple of hours out past Charleville, singing praises to our risen king uh, in an open marquee under the bright blue sky, dust underfoot, holding onto our hats and song sheets as willy-willies raced through. We were grubby, we were hot, but it was so, so good to join with our outback brothers and sisters in rejoicing over Jesus' resurrection. And what a celebration it was. There were people who had come from the Northern Territory, South Australia, New South Wales, and all over Queensland to enjoy fellowship and to sit under God's word for the weekend. We camped under the stars, we swam in the lagoon, we played with gorgeous outback kids, and we enjoyed plenty of laughs as we served the outback church. But a lot can change in a week. Most of the mission team are back. We've washed off the red dirt, or majority of it anyway, and we're perhaps slightly more formally dressed this morning than we were last Sunday, some of our footwear anyway. <laughs> what hasn't changed, though, is the hope that is ours because Jesus has risen. Easter may only come around once a year, but the message of Easter is for each and every one of us, each and every day. The hope we have because of Jesus' resurrection hasn't changed since last week, hasn't changed in the last 2,000 years. But as I've thought about it this week, I've wondered, how does the hope we have because of the resurrection change me, change us, as we leave our celebration of Easter behind for another year? As we head back to school and work and normal routines, What impact does the resurrection have on our daily lives, no matter what each of us may be facing? What impact should it have? And that's what we'll be considering this morning. Our Saviour Jesus rose from the dead and that changes everything. His resurrection gives us hope in the struggles of life. It it gives us a reason to press on in our faith. And this hope that is ours because of the resurrection transforms us and it shapes the way we are to live today and every day. Today we have hope because Jesus is risen and this hope motivates us to live for him. If you've got your Bibles with you, keep them open at 1 Peter chapter 1. We'll refer to it as we go along. So firstly, what hope do we have because of the resurrection? Well, Peter raises three things for us in verse 3. Number one, because of the resurrection, we, we can know that God keeps his promises. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Through the resurrection. The resurrection was pivotal in God's redemptive plan. And we perhaps forget this at times. Typically, Christians spend a lot of time focusing on the cross, on Jesus' death. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with this. What Jesus did for us through his death on the cross is absolutely remarkable. But the cross would be meaningless. Jesus' sacrifice on our behalf would be meaningless 
if he were not raised again. And worst, it would mean that our God is not trustworthy because the entire redemptive story, the entire Bible storyline hinges on God conquering evil and paving a way for us to come back to him. And this is nowhere more clearly pointed out than by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15. Firstly, if Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead, then we have no hope of being raised either. In verses 12 and 13, Paul says, But tell me this, since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying that there is no resurrection of the dead? For if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. What he's saying here is that Jesus' resurrection foreshadows our resurrection. If Jesus were not raised, then there's no hope that we will be either. Second, if Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead, then our teaching is false and pointless. We see that there in verse 14. Those who stand up here week after week are lying, proclaiming a false gospel if Jesus hadn't been raised. We don't preach to entertain. We preach because the message is true. And because it is true... It transforms our lives. But if Jesus wasn't raised, there would be no message to preach. Thirdly, if Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead, our faith is worthless. Paul says this twice in verse 14 and 17. Only if the one we believe in is able to save us, does our faith have any meaning at all. True faith has power only because the one we believe in, only because he is trustworthy and he is true. Fourth, if Jesus hadn't been raised from the dead, then we're still in our sins. Verse 17, if Jesus had not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. Can you imagine a more frightening thought? that the power of sin and death over us has not been broken, that we are still God's enemies, that we're still condemned, still destined for eternity in hell. Everything that Jesus died to achieve would be lost if he hadn't been raised. Our sin not forgiven, redemption not won, evil not defeated. It's an unbelievably frightening thought. And fifthly, if Jesus had not been raised from the dead, believers who have died are lost forever. In verses 18 and 19, in that case, all who have died believing in Jesus are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, then we are to be pitied more than anyone. There would be no hope of heaven. Our lives would be a waste And our faith would be a dead end because we believe in a saviour who is powerless over death. And yet, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus has been raised 
Sin and death have been conquered. Our sins have been forgiven once and for all. Our hope of heaven is sure. And we have a reason to rejoice always and forever because Jesus conquered the grave, because he rose again. One writer puts it this way. He says, The resurrection tells a story with a beautiful, happy ending. The end of redemptive history is this. God wins. And those who are united with Jesus will win along with him. He will renew the entire world to make it the way it's supposed to be. Because Jesus lost everything for us, we ultimately can't lose anything. God indeed has redeemed his children. The head of that ancient serpent has been crushed. Our sins forgiven, death conquered, our hopes secure. And we can know that God is trustworthy, that he keeps his every promise because of the victory that was achieved through Jesus' resurrection. Secondly, because of the resurrection, we have new birth spiritual birth. We're not the people we used to be. We're no longer slaves to our earthly nature, no longer captives to sin. Because Jesus was raised, we who believe in him have been released from the chains of sin and death. God has given us new life in him. And this is so amazing. We're no longer defined by worldly standards We're defined by Jesus. Our worth is not in our looks or our abilities or what we can contribute to society. Our worth is wrapped up in Jesus. We are children of God. We're brothers and sisters of Christ. We're members of his family. And our home is not in this world, which is full of decay and violence and heartbreak and so much disappointment. Our home is heaven. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. We are new people. We're a new creation. We have new birth and nothing of this world can change that. And Peter reminds us that this new birth is a gift. It's all according to God's great mercy. We did nothing to deserve it. And there's nothing we could ever do to repay what God has done for us. We are made new by his mercy alone. Thirdly, because of his resurrection, we have a living hope. And this hope is grounded in who God is and what he has done And because God keeps his promises, because his word is true, our hope is secure. It can never be frustrated. It can never fail. It can never disappear. And Peter fleshes this out for us a bit more. In verse 4, we see that because of the resurrection, we have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. We have a future with God in heaven that is unshakable, And it's unshakable because Jesus is risen. Unlike the hopes of this world, which are 
unattainable sometimes, changeable. They can be frustrated. They, they can be foolish. Our great hope of eternity with God, of perfect fellowship with him in the new creation, is one that can never perish, spoil or fade. Wayne Grudem puts it this way. He says, We have been born again, not to receive an earthly inheritance, but an inheritance in the eternal city of God. It is our portion in the new creation and all its blessings. It is not subject to decay and it will not be worn out with the passing of time. It is unstained by sin and contains nothing unworthy of God's full approval. And it is unfading. Unlike earthly wealth, it will never wither, grow dim, or lose its beauty or glory. The glory of heaven is the inheritance of those who believe in Jesus, and it is absolutely certain. Though we're strangers in this world, though we suffer in this world, we look forward to a glorious future and a certain future, and that is eternity with our great God. And note what else Peter says about it. This inheritance is kept for us, who through faith are shielded by God's power. Our hope is certain because our inheritance is kept for us. It's preserved by God, just as we are kept for it. We are preserved by God, shielded by his power through faith. And this sure hope enables us to face trials with joy. Even in the context of the the deepest valleys and struggles, we have this living hope and it enables us to live with joy. And this is because hope shifts our horizons. It causes us to, to look up to look past beyond our sorry to look beyond our current trials and toward our god and towards the inheritance that he keeps for us and with our eyes steadfast on him everything else comes into perspective doesn't it it doesn't mean that our present struggles aren't painful or costly but it means that they don't overwhelm us or become our sole focus The hope we have because of the resurrection shifts our horizons. It reminds us that this life is temporary, that it's passing away, but that the glory that awaits us is eternal. And this changes everything about how we are to live in the here and now. Our God keeps his promises. Our God has given us new birth. He's given us a living hope and a glorious inheritance. Therefore, from verse 13, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the glorious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say you must be holy because I am holy. 
And remember that the Heavenly Father, to whom you pray, has no favourites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty way of life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was paid with the precious blood of Christ, the spotless, sinless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but now in these last days he's been revealed for your sake. Through Christ you've come to trust in God and you've placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other as brothers and sisters. Love each other deeply with all your heart. Because of the hope we have through Jesus' resurrection, how are we to live? We're to set our minds on Jesus and live lives of self-control. We're to live with our hopes completely set on the coming age, on the glory of heaven, that glory that awaits us when we go home to Jesus and not set on the present age which is fading away. We're to live lives of obedience to God, not satisfying our earthly desires, but living for him according to his word, remembering that he is our highest authority. He is our judge He is our king. Never forgetting that the things of this earth will all pass away. The money, the possessions, the qualifications, the prestige. Never forgetting that only our labour in him is not in vain. Never forgetting that those who live outside of Jesus will perish. But ever seeking to point them to the gospel. And we're to love one another deeply, demonstrating the same kind of love to each other that Christ has shown us. Costly love, sacrificial love, love that encourages, edifies, lifts up and exhorts each other to persevere in faith. If we were to take stock of our lives this morning, each one of us to be be completely honest with ourselves, What values govern the way we're living? Are we living for ourselves? Or are we living for Jesus? Are we living to extend his kingdom? Or to extend our own? Do we live lives to to, to lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ? Or do we seek to elevate ourselves over them? And do our lives make much of Jesus, completely changed because of his death and resurrection, demonstrating that our our truest, our highest hope is in the life to come? Or do our lives simply seek to make much of ourselves in the time we have here before we're called home? Everything has changed because of the resurrection because Jesus was raised from the dead. But the question remains, has the resurrection changed us? 
Has it changed me? May we humble ourselves this morning and and offer our lives afresh to our Lord and Saviour, seeking first his kingdom and setting our eyes fully on the hope that is ours because he is risen. Amen.